You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gentlemen, welcome in to the NFL Mock Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin. And as always, I'm coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. And I got my boy, Sarah Bettinger, on the other end in Omaha. Sarah, how are we doing today, buddy? Oh, man, I'm doing really well today. It's finally football week. First time since the Super Bowl, man. We've been able to say that. There's, there's football this week, and I can't wait, dude. I, I'm just so pumped. I love this time of year. Uh, it, it's exciting. Every every fan base has got that excitement percolating, and uh, and my team is playing in the first game of the football season. So man, I'm pumped, dude. I can't wait. Yeah, we get a little NFL Hall of Fame game between your beloved Denver Broncos and you know my hometown local team here in the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, was kind of wishing that game was going to be here in Atlanta, so me and my boy Dalton Reisner uh, could mm. meet up, but it didn't quite shake out that way um shout out to Dalton hope he plays well uh this coming week I know he just signed his uh contract there Sarah uh a pretty heartfelt message there on Twitter for him a kind of a cool thing for a guy like that growing up in Denver always wanting to be a Bronco and then the chips fall where they do uh and he signs his first contract there so congratulations to Dalton uh one of the better interviews I don't know Sarah you can attest to this a little bit one of the better interviews we've done here I believe on the NFL Mox podcast uh, and if you guys want to check that out, uh, feel free to do so. It's still there on your feet. Um, but as for tonight's show, man, we're going to continue our divisional uh, breakdowns here, our divisional uh, you know, previews, if you will, for the 2019 NFL football season. We've got two divisions left, both of the South divisions, the NFC South and the AFC South. Tonight, Sarah and I will be covering the AFC South. And for those of you who haven't been listening lately, uh, you know, we're, we break them down in our superlatives best offense, best defense, best young trio that's 26 or younger, uh, and then best roster, and finally, 
uh, as we always talk about, the most important category, best quarterback. Sarah, are you pumped to hit on the AFC South, my man? We were talking about a pre-show. Pretty, a, a lot of interesting discussions here and a lot of battles. I think these could go, uh, you know, many of which ways here. Yeah, absolutely. This is a fun division, uh, and it's going to be even more fun now that we know Andrew Luck is healthy. We know Deshaun Watson is heavy or healthy. Excuse me. The the Jaguars finally have a quarterback who's worth writing home about, and uh, the Tennessee Titans are interesting as ever. Just a ton of talent, top to bottom, for them. So, yeah, this is a fun division, man. It's going to be a tight division this year, I think, and we'll get to that way later in the show. But man, it it is a fun. There's there's so many star players in this division, uh, even even more so, I would say, than, than the NFC West, which you covered last week. Uh, I think this division's got a chance to be potentially one of the best in the NFL this year. Yeah, you know, since Peyton Manning, you know, had his neck issues there and left Indianapolis. This division's kind of been up for grabs, you know, perennially uh, every year. They're turning in and out with, like you said, a very competitive division. And now we have, you know, a handful of really, really good quarterbacks, especially two really top-end heavy here uh, at the quarterback discussion. And we'll get into that a little more later. And I think, Sarah, you know, not to spoil anything, I think that's kind of where this division comes down to it. You know, which quarterback can essentially have the better season uh, and lead his team to victory. But let's get into it first with our best offensive discussion, Sarah. And I'll start. I love what the Colts have done uh, just in terms of the last couple of years under Chris Ballard. Uh, the number one priority when you have a franchise quarterback should always be to protect him. And under the you know Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson era, they failed miserably at that. You know, uh, Andrew Luck missed almost two full seasons back-to-back there at some point. You're starting Jacoby Brissett. Uh, it's hard to make a Super Bowl run there, uh, especially when you've got as much cap and salary tied up into Andrew Luck, so you better keep him healthy. Uh, and in the last couple of years, man, they've nailed, absolutely nailed two offensive line picks, Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson. And I'm going to tell you what, Anthony Costanzo is severely underrated. I'm going to talk about two guys tonight that I think are super, super underrated. Uh, Anthony Costanzo is one of them, the long-haired tackle out of Stanford. To me, Sarah, he's Bakhtiari light. If you like what David Bakhtiari does out there in Green Bay, Costanzo gives you all of that um, and maybe just a little bit more uh, in terms of the run game. They hit on their run, the late-round running backs last season as well with Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. I really like what Chris Ballard's doing there uh, just in his first couple of seasons there in Indianapolis. Your thoughts on that pick, Sarah? I, I like the pick a lot. I think that something that I feel with this division in terms of the best offense is I feel like a couple of these teams are just ever so slightly incomplete um, for me. I love the Colts offense and what they've put together, but but to, in my opinion, I feel like they're missing a specific piece, and I feel like they really could have gone out and been aggressive and got a guy like Le'Veon Bell this offseason. I kind of wish that they had done that because they had the cap space. They have Andrew Luck, who's finally healthy, and and to give him a dynamic player like that to really shoulder half the load. I mean, we know that Le'Veon's capable of touching the ball just about every other play, it seems like. And not nothing against Marlon Mack, who I also like, or Naheem Hines, who's a good player. But I think those guys are best suited as your running back two, running back three, especially if you have a player like Le'Veon Bell, who can be so effective in the passing game, because you've already got a dynamic deep threat in T.Y. Hilton, who's proven in that regard. You've got a breakout tight end from last year in Eric Ebron, who was just a touchdown machine. And now Jack Doyle's coming back healthy, so you've got the ability to go 12 personnel. 
and really do do a good job running and passing with that group. Even though Doyle and Ebron are both more receiver types, I think that the Colts have built such an impressive offensive line, and I know that's your area of expertise, but you look at from the center to the left tackle with Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and Anthony Costanzo, all first-round picks, all just beasts on the offensive line. I love what they have there. And then Braden Smith was a really good pick for them last year in the second round as well at right tackle. So I think the Colts, for me, have the most complete offense. Although I would say I don't really care for the Devin Funches pickup. I've never really liked him as an option, but I'm pretty sure Andrew Luck is going to find a way to make him an effective, probably somewhere between like 800 yards and like seven or eight touchdowns this year. And it'll be pegged as a good signing even though I think they could have done better and we'll see what Paris Campbell the the Percy Harvin clone brings to the table Uh, I think he's got some good skill and an ability to really be a yak monster in this offense as well but I think you just look across this division can you really pick anyone else I mean the Houston Texans have such a such a big Achilles heel right now with their offensive line in contrast to Indianapolis that I can't in good faith pick them even with the combination of Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins there. Jacksonville, we don't know what's going to happen there, and they're built to pretty much run the ball 8 out of 10 plays, if, if we're being honest, even with Nick Foles in the fold. And then Tennessee is built kind of the same way. We just don't know what their passing game is going to be this year. So I think Clearly, the Indianapolis Colts with Andrew Luck and the combination of weapons he has by comparison to the Houston Texans, who I think are a pretty distant number two. Yeah, that was going to be my backup pick as well. If I, if I was forced, you know, if you forced my hand, someone other than the Colts, it would have been the Texans. But just like you talked about, man, this the Houston Texans offense could be extremely explosive this season. They could come out and set the woods on fire, or they could come out and be ravaged with injuries and have Deshaun Watson sack 60-plus times again. You really just don't know at this point. Uh, The variability is the reason for our skepticism, obviously, there. Um, And until, like you said, they shore up that offensive line, um, we'll see. I mean, it's it's a, a great talent there with Deshaun Watson. He is incredible. And, you know, you called him – you said he's coming back heavier. I hope he's coming back heavier. I know you misspoke there. But, you know, a, a few extra pounds on Deshaun Watson would not be the <laughs> end of the world there in Houston. Um, you know, this is a guy who last season, Sarah, I know you know this, but some people don't. He had to take a bus out to Jacksonville because he couldn't fly because his ribs were cracked. Um, this oh my is the type gosh! Of, you know injuries the guy was playing through all year last season. When your star quarterback, it's not safe enough for him to fly uh, on your airplane because of the you know the condensed air pressure inside the cabin. I don't necessarily think it's safe to play on Sundays, um, but you know that may be a, a topic for another time. Um, in terms of whether or not the game of football <laughs> is safe, I would I would definitely say he was less likely to you know fully crack a rib or puncture a lung on that airplane. But you know we got to protect the insurance claims. Uh, if he were to get super hurt right. on the football field, I'm pretty sure they got their rear ends covered. But let's get into the best defense there. I'll let you start because I've been rambling for a minute. Who is the best defense in this conference, my man? I think this is a pretty. Yeah, this division. Yeah, I knew what you meant. Uh, I think this is a pretty fun debate to have because you've got a a few really good ones. I think that the Tennessee Titans have one of the more underrated defenses, at least on paper, in my opinion, in this division for sure. I want to highlight them a little bit just because I don't think I'm going to pick them as my number one. But I really like 
I, I really like what they've got. I mean, they've got some high draft picks who have really worked out for them in the last couple of years, including Kevin Byard, who I know he was only a third-round pick, but, man, he's been one of the best safeties in the league, and he's a, uh, he just got that big payday. So I really like that, and I know we've talked Amani Hooker, but I think that you get a guy like that who can play kind of any position in that defense. Uh, some some college defenses call it like a star linebacker or whatever, but I think Amani Hooker is one of those matchup guys that you can really put on anybody in zone or man coverage, and then their defensive front is really solid. But I think for me, the best the best defense in this division has got to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just uh, if you look at all three levels. I love the pick of Josh Allen, number one this year for them, the seventh overall pick. Felt like he should have been a top three or four guy for sure, and to get him at seven, especially for the Jaguars who have so much talent defensively already, that was a a nice coup for them. Calais Campbell still playing at a very high level. Uh, You've got guys like Taven Bryan coming up from last year's draft. Miles Jack still playing at a high level. Jalen Ramsey, arguably the best corner in the NFL. Ronnie Harrison, a very good draft pick from last year. A.J. Bouye. So this defense is just really solid at all three levels. I think the one thing for me that it's it's lacking is a superstar, a proven superstar up front who's kind of that that game changing difference maker. You know, you look at like the Chicago Bears have Khalil Mack, my Denver Broncos have Von Miller. There's there's guys like that in the league. I don't see one of those on Jacksonville's defense or any defense in this division for that matter, unless JJ Watt is fully healthy. And so I, I think that Jackson, clown, oh, I don't know, man. And that's a, another thing, man. I just, I don't know. Is he that, is he that superstar difference maker? Does he, he doesn't even have a double digit sack season, I believe on his sure. resume at this point. Sure. Hit me, sure. hit me with it. Houston Texans all 22. I don't watch a lot of Houston Texans all 22. You no. Need to. You need to. The star of that Houston Texans defense, though the stats don't show it. Uh, is Jadavion Clowney. They asked that guy to do absolutely everything. He stands up in the A-gaps. He, he fire plugs in A-gap all the time. He, he does all the stunts on the left side. He basically draws as much attention as humanly possible uh, in order to just let J.J. Watt pretty much do uh, whatever he wants in terms of outside pass rushes. Now, look, I'm not here to beat you over the head with the All-22 film, um, but sometimes, especially with defensive linemen, uh, when, when they totally wreck a play uh, but don't make the tackle or don't get the tackle for loss, it can oftentimes be overlooked, especially when your eyes aren't diverted to that area of the football field. For me, being a former offensive lineman, I'm going to tell you what, the, I think they played uh, Indianapolis. I think the Texans played the Colts last season uh, about week three, and Quentin Nelson looked like a brand-new baby deer uh, out on the football field against Jadavion Clowney <laughs> uh, in that first matchup. Now, I will say this. The second time, I think it was week 11, they came back uh, and played him in Indianapolis, and Quentin Nelson more than held his own in that matchup. He got, he got a chance to get some of the stunts there on film. That's one thing about the Houston Texans defense. Again, if you, don't, if you haven't seen what they do from the, from the coach's uh, tight shot, back there behind the offensive line it is what I call an amoeba defense there where you don't really know what anyone's doing pre-snap uh you know guys could be going in all types of different uh gaps and whatnot they're basically their pre-snap 
uh, alignment does not mean anything there in Houston. Now, it's all designated, like I said, to get J.J. Watt the statistical glory uh, that he so rightfully deserves. But don't sleep on Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney is one of those. uh, I I consider him in that, you know, top ten defensive end range, to be honest with you. Uh, Much more impactful to that defense than even J.J. Watt. And I'm not trying to, you know, get a flaming hot take right there. That's just my honest opinion. Sorry for my rant. Right. No, I like it. That's good. I think it's good to have it's good to have that pushback. I just you know, I've been kind of waiting for that. I don't know, maybe we were just so spoiled by that play he made against Michigan a few years back that that I feel like, you know, I want that more often from him. I want that splash play cuz I know that he's capable of it. You talk about a guy who's, you know, Julius Peppers height, weight, speed. And Peppers was a guy that, I mean, you were wondering how many sacks is he going to rack up this year? Not is he going to get to 10? So I just I just wonder, and I understand that there's, you know, there's a lot of good rushers there in Houston. There's some guys who are capitalizing on the work that he's doing off the off to the other side. But at the same time, you know, I think I have big expectations for him. Franchise player, you know, you're looking at getting paid 20 mil a year. I'm not saying you should take a million per sack or whatever. You know, I'm not trying to say that or anything. I'm just saying I'd like to see him reach that 10, that big 10 spot. Let's see it this year, Jadavion. And I, it's not that I don't respect him either. I think he's got, I think he's a great player. I just wonder, is he, you know, and, and I think you made a good point. Is he that Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Khalil Mack type? Maybe. Um, I want to see a little bit more production out of him personally. Fair. All's fair uh, in that comment right there. But you ended up taking the Jacksonville defense, correct? Yes. All right, so what I'm going to do here, um, that's who I was ultimately going with. I think Jacksonville does have the best defense uh, in this division. I expect these guys to take a huge leap forward this year. Last year they were ranked sixth uh, in total defense, according to our friends over there at Football Outsiders, uh, with an offense that turned the ball over 29 times last football season, Sarah. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars were 25th in the league in terms of their average field position uh, in terms of where they were starting their drives there on defense. Uh, And I think that's going to kind of change a lot this year with a quarterback who may not turn the ball over uh, near as much, a fraction as much uh, as that offense did when Blake Bortles uh, and company was at the helm. I mean, I know it's been a long time. We're a long time removed since I think it was the 2012 season that Nick Foles did the 28-2 or maybe it was 2014, mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. has been a long time. Um, but Nick Foles, nonetheless, not a guy known uh, for, you know, having been turnover happy. Um, but if right. I wasn't going to pick that Jacksonville defense, just a team that I want to show a little bit more love to, because uh, you'll definitely see it in my wins predictions and wins totals later on in the show, uh, it, it's the Indianapolis Colts. And this was a really tough category here. I think there's, you know, three super elite defenses, maybe even four. You can even call four, all four of these uh, defenses here just stacked and loaded. Uh, but this Indianapolis Colts defense, Malik Hooker's 23 years old. Kenny Moore is 23 years old. Valdosta State product. Uh, got my butt whooped by him a few times. Mm-hmm. Quincy Wilson uh, is 22 years old. Rocky Sin, 23. And, of course, Darius Leonard, 24. Those are four, you know, five super impact players. I know Rocky Sin hadn't been on the field yet, but those are, you know, major impact players all under the age of 24. Uh, so a lot of young guys there in the back end of their defense. The only problem with the Colts there, uh, no superstars outside of uh, – you can't call Justin Houston a superstar at this point anymore. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's only, he's only 30 years old. People want to throw dirt on him 
uh, it seems like already. But, um, you know, not a lot of high-power super, uh, superstars there. I know they have Jabal Sheard. He's a little bit up on the older end there as well. Uh, but, again, Jabal Sheard, if you're, if you're not a football nut like Sarah and I, probably not a household name you're aware of, and, and for good reason. This isn't a guy uh, who's going to be on the front page of ESPN the magazine. Um, so those are, I think, the top. You know, it's, it's hard. If you were, I think Jacksonville takes a solid one here, uh, but you can make a case for any of these teams uh, for the second-best defense in this division. Sarah, best young trio. I know you said earlier in the show there was a lot of candidates here. Who's got mm-hmm. the best young trio in this, in this division? Yeah, I kind of went between – ultimately, I went between two as kind of like my final – my final picks here, but ultimately I think I'm picking the Houston Texans trio. I've said this in previous episodes, but I really weight this heavily. If you've got a quarterback who's 25, 26 or under able to be on this list. And Deshaun Watson to me is an MVP caliber quarterback. And I think if you put him with, is the, is the cutoff age 25 or 26 for this exercise? I can't even remember. We've been doing it for so long now, 26. So I mean, you can put Deshaun Watson, Jadavian Clowney, and Justin Reed in a trio right here. And I'd say that's pretty tough to beat because Jadavion's 26 this year. So he just turned 26. I think he's halfway to 27 now. So it's uh, that's a trio right there. You got I mean, like you said, if, if you feel he's up there with the elite of the elite defenders in the league, and then you've got an MVP caliber QB, and I think one of the better up-and-coming safeties in the league in Justin Reed, who had a really solid rookie season, you could even put a guy like Zach Cunningham in this list, and I think you'd be all right there as well. But just a really solid trio right there with Clowney, Watson, and Reed. I think you've got some guys who can be difference makers on both sides of the ball. And that's a, that's a, I mean, that's why you trade up a first round pick in two different drafts in order to get your QB. Now you've got a foundation set where you can compete just because of that guy. And to have a guy like Clowney in addition to that, and now Reed on the back end, that's huge. Better Reed brother playing safety in the NFL right now. Is it Justin or Eric, sir? Hmm. That's tough because Eric came back and had a nice year for the Panthers two, last year. And two totally different styles right there. Justin more of your yeah. typical, you know, back end coverage guy, uh, and Eric the the much more you know it, it, the hot term nowadays is in the box safety. Eric Reed's gonna hit you. Justin Reed's gonna pick you off. So which one do you you know take right there? Just one season, obviously, because you'd want the young guy um, for a career, yeah. but just. Tomorrow you're starting 16 games. Which safety are you taking there, sir? I'll take I'll take Justin in that case. I think, you know, like you said, if you got a guy who can create the turnovers, and not that Eric can't because he has in the past, but I'll take the guy who's going to pick off the passes versus the guys who's going to kind of set the tone against the run or anything like that. You know, I think that that's a that's a big deal in today's NFL. And, and the Texans have guys are, you know, I'm, I'm banking on my team. If I'm building a team, I'm banking on my team having enough guys who can create havoc in the trenches. So I'll take the guy who can pick off passes. What about you? Fair enough. Um, I'll take Eric Reed just for, you know, argument's sake. Uh, you know, definitely had the comeback year last year. I know he obviously comes with a little bit of off-the-field distractions, um, but nonetheless, a still a solid football player, even though he's not quite what he was there in his days during San Francisco. Uh, but, you know, he was a top-five safety in his days in San Francisco. And yeah, if he yeah. slipped to a top-12 safety, 
you know, who's to say he's still not good? You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, even right. though he has taken a step back. My best young trio there, Sarah, I'm going to give the Colts some more love. Um, and I already mentioned all the young guys they have there on defense, and you can feel free to throw any of those guys into the discussion here. But I'm taking the two guys I mentioned earlier on that offensive line, Ryan Kelly, who was a four-year grad out of Alabama, so he barely makes this list there at 26 uh, years of age. And then you've got to take Big Quentin there uh, as well on this mm-hmm. list. And Darius Leonard, of course, the, uh, the guy who only you know, led the NFL in tackles last season. Uh, as a rookie so I'm taking those three guys and kind of funny how the Indianapolis Colts are are doing it now building it within uh, you know starting from the middle of the ball you start from the ball and work your way out um, it seems Uh, so I'll take that young trio there in Indianapolis though I do totally understand what you're saying in terms of if your quarterback qualifies for this list and if you believe that quarterback is an MVP caliber type player then he obviously outweighs everybody else um, but, you know, I, I like my three guys here uh, to, you know, three guys. I think they're going to play a really, really long time in the NFL, especially Quentin. Quentin might turn in a 14 year career, sir. Yeah, he might. He might. He's really good. Yeah. All right. So who's the I'm best surprised you didn't pick. Uh, What's up? I was just going to say I'm surprised you didn't pick Chad Kelly for the Colts top three. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you know, I love me some Chad Kelly, man. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Swag. Swag. Best young or best young roster. Who's got it, sir? Best roster overall, man. It's got to be, for me, it's got to be Indianapolis. And a year ago, I would have not even considered saying that. I, I just, I can't believe, I mean, we talk about what other teams have done, like the Cleveland Browns over the course of a year, and what a difference a, a quarterback Dorsey, makes. But who's done? Who's done a better, faster <laughs> job? Dorsey or uh, Ballard in Indianapolis? Uh, gosh, that's so tough because, I mean, Dorsey's brought in the flash, right? I mean, you got Odell and you got Jarvis, but I just – I and I think, again, I think for me Ballard falls just a little bit short. I think he's not quite as aggressive as as John Dorsey is. I mean, John Dorsey's out there making trades for superstars, and, and here Ballard is kind of being a little overly responsible with the, with uh, – Jim Irsay's money I I just look at this defense and I think you look at look at Justin Houston I mean they I I think that's a fine pickup for the Colts but I think that could have been you know a guy like D Ford or something like that I mean not that the difference is seemingly minimal on paper but you're talking about the difference between surrounding Andrew Luck with a championship caliber team and then just a bunch of guys who he has to make them look good I think that's a that's a big big difference but they hit on those draft picks and the free agents are going to seem smart as long as Andrew Luck is there to make them look better. So I think that this roster from top to bottom, their defense got so much better just by default of their draft last year and projecting those guys moving forward. Guys like Malik Hooker from two drafts ago, looking like he's going to be a stud for a long time. But then you you make pickups like bringing in Kenny Moore, you bring in uh, Pierre Desir, you bring in Justin Houston, Danico Autry had a nice year for them last year. So you're getting these bargain guys who are playing a big role, but their defense looks a lot better. 
Their offensive line is leaps and bounds better. And I think it's funny. Like, people want to hate on picking an offensive guard in the top 10 of the draft. Like, it's not an important position. Look at what happened to the Indianapolis Colts last year. I mean, he he really helped solidify that entire offense. And I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill or anything like that. But I'm saying that's a difference-making player for an entire team. It opens up so much. Makes Anthony Costanzo better. Makes Ryan Kelly better. It strengthens an entire part of your line. And so I just I like what the Colts have overall, although I think it could be better. I just don't see a better overall team in this division right now. Yeah, if they, like, a, a perfect number two wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts right now would be like a Mike Williams from L.A. Yeah. And I think if yeah. you could just slide him right into – Indianapolis's offense, it would just look astronomically better on paper uh, just for some reason. Now, reason now, reason now, now, maybe, you know, shed like 20 pounds this offseason and he came in <laughs> like, you know, two steps lighter than what he was the last couple of years there in Carolina. Maybe we're looking at something. I know they only threw him and he is on a he's a contract year again, Sarah. I think there was one year, 11 million dollars or something along those yeah. lines there in Indianapolis. So, you know, the, it's a bet on yourself type of contract there for Funches, so maybe he did take the offseason uh, and get his body right. Well, you talked about Paris Campbell earlier uh, in the show. I'm excited to see what that young man can do, especially uh, in today's modern NFL. Playmakers don't necessarily have to be able to catch the ball anymore. They kind of just hand the ball off to him. Uh, last year on jet sweeps to wide receivers in the NFL, the average yards per carry was around six and a half yards. Um, so it's an effective play in the NFL if you're a speedy guy like Paris Campbell. Um, but, you know, they just got mm-hmm. the best of the best in a lot of areas, man. The Indianapolis Colts have the best offensive line. They have the best quarterback in this division, in my opinion. They have the best coach in this division. They do have the best general manager in this division. Hell, Houston doesn't even have one right now um, as we speak, I believe, still, Sarah. And I mentioned right. this, I mentioned I was going to talk about two guys who are critically underrated uh, in the NFL, uh, maybe not in terms of the you know the players around the NFL, they're probably aware of Anthony Costanzo and this next young man I'm going to mention. But T.Y. Hilton's just beyond underrated, in my opinion. Nobody ever talks about that guy, Sarah. Right now, I know this isn't a fantasy oriented uh, podcast, but it just kind of you know gives you the feel of what the national perspective is about on T.Y. Hilton. He's going in the late third round uh, in terms of average draft position right now in fantasy leagues. Um, you know, a, 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 that makes a slew load of wide receivers going ahead of him. So just a little fantasy tip. If you're looking to go running back, running back uh, in your first mm-hmm. two picks, maybe slide a T.Y. Hilton there in the third round. I think you'd be more than satisfied with him as your wide receiver number one. But I do like the Justin Houston signing. I still think he's got a lot left in the tank. I kind of mentioned about it earlier in the show. People are throwing dirt on Justin Houston, I felt like, this offseason. Um, like he's some kind of 38-year-old veteran. He's 30 years old, man, He's and this is a guy who's had a couple of injuries, so he doesn't have as many hits on the body as a typical 30-year-old mm-hmm. would, but granted he has had some injuries that uh, he, he's ultimately still dealing with uh, just in terms of being an older football player. But, Sarah, I like our picks there for best roster. Let's get into our best quarterback uh, conversation. I'm going to pick Andrew Luck. You're going to pick Deshaun Watson for the hell of it. Tell me why I'm wrong and tell me why you're right, sir. I love Deshaun Watson. Uh, I know Dabo Swinney, I think one time compared him to Michael Jordan or something like that. 
And uh, I think that oh, it wasn't when you something get, like that. It was that. It was that, yeah. And you don't just throw that out there, especially not for a kid who hasn't even signed a contract in the league yet or whatever. Whenever it was that he said that, I don't remember it. But I just think the aura around Deshaun Watson is such that he he's the he's the guy who's capable of taking a team that started zero and three or zero and four last year and leading them to nine straight wins. And you just you you can't you can't really quantify that with anything except for like we've talked about and touched on nearly every single episode. It factor. I remember him coming out of college. There was a big question mark around like the velocity that he threw at the scouting combine, and people pay close attention to that. Like there's like a minimum threshold of like a forty something, or I don't remember exactly what it is, but his was under the threshold, and so people are kind of thinking, oh, he doesn't have the velocity to play in the NFL. He's just a successful guy in a college system at a great school with a lot of great talent around him. No, no, no. Deshaun Watson elevates that talent around him, just like Andrew Luck, I think. But even even to a, a more significant degree, well, actually, their their career arcs are pretty similar. You know, if you look at, I mean, early on, having to struggle with a lot of pressure, bad offensive line play, having to deal with a lot of injuries at the skill positions, things like that, poor general manager work early on in their careers. And in fact, in Deshaun Watson's case right now, entering year three, no general manager. So I just think that, what Watson has done in the first two years of his career, coming off the ACL, playing at an MVP caliber level last year, the dude is tough as nails. He's a competitor. He elevates everyone around him. He makes all the throws. He can run. He's just so, so good. So I, I would I would have taken Deshaun anyway, but I love uh, I just love what he brings to the table, and I think if the Texans can put a competent roster around him, he's going to be contending with Patrick Mahomes every year for that AFC title. Yeah, see, that's my fear there uh, with Houston and Deshaun Watson. It is whether or not they can put enough. I know they have enough weapons around him uh, with Will Fuller, Kiki QT, and, of course, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and despite what people want to say about Lamar Miller, a lot of people want to throw trash on his name. Over the last three seasons, Lamar Miller's fifth in the NFL in total yards uh, rushing, uh, which is not a small feat there. But here's why I would take Andrew Luck. Uh, everyone knows what he's done just in terms of his history. They're already uh, in his, what, now eight seasons there, 2012? No, 2000, yeah, 2012 to 2018. That would be seven seasons of professional football. Now, we have had some injury concerns, but, hey, man, I think they're well behind us. We put two seasons in now of 15 starts and 16 starts there. Uh, And last season, Sarah, he had his absolute career year there with the new head coach in Frank Wright. Completion percentage, 67.3, his highest by far of his career. Most uh, Second most yards he's thrown in a season. His touchdown to interception rate was exceptional, 39 to 15. Uh, He was up there uh, in terms of the NFL lead. Uh, for passing touchdowns, I believe, most of the year, obviously fighting with a young man named Pat Mahomes, who I think ended up blowing him out of the water there towards the end of the year. But nonetheless, um, what else was I going to QBR, out of this world uh, quarterback rating last year, a career high as well. So a guy who is, you know, oftentimes considered and, and always considered in the top ten, sometimes even vaulted higher in terms of, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL, and he had a career year last year, uh, and I believe he's just around the age of 28 years old, so still a lot of uh, bright things to come there uh, in Indianapolis for 
uh, Andrew Luck. So that's why I would take him one uh, and then Deshaun Watson two. Nick Foles three. And then where would you rank Mariota and Tannehill? Because, again, <laughs> I'm not trying to make a hot take here, but I think the backup quarterback in Tennessee may even be better uh, than the starting quarterback there in Tennessee. What do you say, sir? I, I'm just really surprised that Mariota's not number one on this list at this point. I thought he was going to be so good coming out of Oregon or Oregon, however the heck you, you and Tony however Bush the heck you say brother. it. Oregon, the Oregon Trail, Oregon, Oregon. Do you say roof or roof? It's definitely a roof. Who calls it a roof? Ah, me, roof, up on the roof, but it's roof, rooftop, roof. not rooftop. Roof, roof. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm surprised Mariota is not higher on this list at this point after being drafted four or five years ago. Now I think this is his fifth NFL season, and so I'm. I don't know. I could see him changing teams at the end of the year, which would be kind of crazy if you think about how good he was coming out of college and how bright the future looked after his first couple of years. But injuries have taken their toll, man, and he just seems like a completely different guy. I just think one of the one of the things these two guys lack is any sort of consistency whether it's on the field or just in, in availability in general. So kind of a kind of a situation there where I could see a case for Ryan Tannehill being the better quarterback in Tennessee. But obviously we know Mariota's gonna start the year and so we'll see what happens. Yeah, Andrew Luck, twenty nine years and three hundred and twenty days. So he's sneaking up on thirty. Uh so a little older than wow. he led on. But nonetheless, uh, you know, that's that that's that extra year he went back at Stanford, man. Dummy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, probably the only guy we've ever seen go back and not hurt his draft stock. Um, maybe it was the Harbaugh rub. I don't know what it was. It was it was probably more due to the fact that he was considered a generational talent there coming out of Stanford. But, you know, we may see it a little different here in terms of best quarterback uh, in this division. But I think we're splitting hairs nonetheless. Both these guys are incredible talents at the quarterback position. Sarah, give yeah, me your yeah. AFC South predictions, my man. Well, I think I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts number one in this division. I think they're gonna win I think they're gonna win twelve games this year. I think their roster is just that good and Andrew Luck looking like he's firing on all cylinders. I mean, I don't think that, that other teams are gonna have the luxury of the Colts climbing out of an 0-3 or 0-4 hole like they did last year. So I'm gonna predict twelve wins for the Colts. And then I think down there in second place, I think we're gonna have Houston at ten wins. I think their offensive line is bad enough that they are gonna hit a couple bumps in the road this year, but I think Deshaun Watson is good enough to get them over that nine win mark and get them up to ten. And then I think at nine wins we're gonna have the Jacksonville Jack. Jaguars. I know that's a lot of wins between three teams in the same division, but like we mentioned at the start, it's a good division. And Jacksonville's got the best defense in the division. I think that's good for, you know, at least an eight and eight prediction. You feel the ball falls their way in in a game or two just because of the fact that they have that great defense. So I'm taking them at nine. And then I'm taking Tennessee at six and ten. And I think that they've got a good enough team to win six games, but you just you question that quarterback situation. So that's where I'm at with the AFC South. Colts on top, Texans number two, Jaguars number three, and the Titans number four. Yeah, so for the for the audience listening at home or wherever you're at, if you're on your in your car on your way to work or on your way home from work, uh, Sarah and I are obviously in two different locations. He's in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm here in Atlanta. And uh, lately we haven't done any show sheets because you don't have to send him 
the show sheet over there is Sarah. I don't have to send it to him because he knows what we're talking about. We've been doing these divisional breakdowns for the last six weeks. So there is no communication prior to this show. Uh, we just turn the mics on and it's two <laughs> buddies hanging out. That's what we're trying to convey here. And I kid you not, Sarah, my list is absolutely identical to yours. Colts 12 and 4, <laughs> Texans 10 and 6, Jags 9 and 7. And I do have the Titans coming in at 6 and 10. And, you wow. know, I'm sorry. Uh, for Mike Vrabel and company there. And I'm sorry for my beloved A.J. Brown, who was uh, carted off or you know, left practice early uh, the other day. But all reports are that it's not a serious injury. So we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a quarterback, in, or quarterback issue there. Uh, and though Jacksonville doesn't have a superstar quarterback, Nick Foles is very serviceable. Uh, they have a superstar studded defense, man. This defense is good enough to carry them. Uh, carried them to 13 wins a couple years ago with Bordelais at the quarterback position. So, yeah, Sarah and I see it exactly the same. Now, Sarah, I'm going to go with my you hate to see it first because I'm not going to watch you steal my you hate to see it right <laughs> up my nose. Uh, A.J. Green, man, uh, a Georgia yeah. legend here uh, from the University of Georgia. He was carted off for a lower uh, ankle injury. Uh, it's supposed to be – it's not a high ankle sprain – but it is going to be six to eight weeks there. And, Sarah, you obviously hate to see that, uh, a, a player of the caliber of A.J. Green. And for you guys, again, I just know it's not a fantasy show, but you guys that are in the keeper leagues that have been holding on to A.J. Green uh, for the last two seasons, it's been a major hit for you guys. Uh, so you hate to see that. But what I really hate to see the most, these guys were practicing. It's the first day of mini camp or, you know, training camp starting. And these guys are practicing at Dayton uh, University there. Uh, in Ohio, and reportedly the field conditions weren't necessarily the greatest there. It wasn't quite up to uh, professional standard, uh, which is not, you know, it's, it's hard to say. You're, you can call players soft, you can do whatever you want. But nonetheless, these are really quick twitch athletes that if they don't have a consistent playing surface, it's obviously going to increase their chances of being injured. And uh, for a guy like A.J. Green, who's, you know, one of the very humble superstars we have in this game, uh, especially at the wide receiver position. Mm -hmm. We see him go down now two years in a row uh, with lower body, you know, shin down, if you will, you know, foot and ankle injuries. I uh, mean, you just hate to see it, sir. Nah, that is, that is brutal. Uh, AJ Green, just if there's any guy who's like kind of the new Joe Thomas, if that's even a thing, like the torch passed to AJ Green of just like, He's a he's a superstar in a miserable situation, kind of stuck where he's at, and he keeps getting. I mean, I don't know that Joe Thomas was hurt very often, but Never. it seems like one unlucky thing after. Sarah. He's got the he record was. for You're most right. consistent consecutive snaps. He never missed it down. He um, does. You're right. Well, no, but it's, it's just it's that absolutely tough. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's just one thing after another. You know, for for Joe Thomas, it was. You know, the quarterbacks and the guys around him for A.J. Green, it's these injuries. And, and now also, too, the injuries around him, they just can't keep a fully healthy unit. And they were hoping on starting the season with uh, with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd out there on his fresh new contract. And just thinking, man, we, we might steal a few games with these guys out there together. They're so good, you know, and they could have, but now they're not going to because he's out for up to eight weeks, potentially more than that. So we'll see. But... Yeah, you do hate to see that. I know he's he's one of your Georgia boys out there, so I, I like A.J. Green. He's always been one of my favorite guys 
probably doesn't have many years left in the league, which is weird to say. Uh, It's weird to even think about because he has been so dominant for such a long time now. Part of that amazing 2011 class. But my, you hate to see it. Excuse me. Just had something creep up on me right there. You know how that is. My, you hate to see it is, of course. I know. I haven't even taken a sip for that exact reason throughout this whole episode, man. But shout out to Coke Zero if you want to send me. I've been looking for glass bottles of Coke Zero. So if, if there's any way to get that happen, I've seen it in the commercials and I've never seen it in real life. So I'm trying to Pepsi find me bottle? a glass bottle of Coke Zero. Never seen a glass Pepsi bottle bottle? of Coke Zero, man. Coke Pepsi. Glass? Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a dime. <laughs> uh, you hate to see it. What is it? Well, yeah, you hate to see it, man. Ezekiel Elliott just acting a fool. I, I don't know... I don't know exactly what the situation there is with him. I know he's got two years left on his rookie deal, and he's holding out for a new contract, which I don't disagree with at all. I think that running backs, if anyone, should be holding out early for that second contract. I mean, we saw the L.A. Rams kind of in good faith give it to Todd Gurley, and that backfired on them. But Ezekiel Elliott, obviously critically important to that Dallas Cowboys team this year and he knows it and he's sitting out and he's going uh instead of going to training camp out in California there's a rumor that he is going out to Cabo and just gonna live it up party it up while his teammates are working and so the Cowboys signed Alfred Morris today and I'll tell you what right now man I don't care how good you are I don't care what your positional you know, likelihood of getting an extension, blah, 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 blah. I would rather, I don't know. I, it's just for me, it's such a bad look for Ezekiel Elliott in a line, a long line of bad looks from him. And I just don't like the way he represents himself professionally. I don't like the way he's going about his business. I think it's, uh, I think it's a slap in the face to just the, just the process, you know, and, and Le'Veon Bell may not have done it right either, but I think just, at least just doing holdouts without you know blatantly doing stupid stuff like that i don't know maybe he didn't i don't i'm i'm just saying i hate the way that ezekiel's doing it your teammates are out there there's guys out there who are striving for roster spots in the league who who are just trying to make it who are busting their butts out at training camp in the hot heat of the summer and you're out going to cabo san lucas with 2 years left on your deal you're under contract you agreed to the contract back when you signed it and so I just I hate it man you hate to see that because other players are going to follow suit but I hope it's not as many Uh, I hope it's not that many because I don't want to see anyone on my team for sure going going about their business the way Ezekiel it is you just hate to see it all right let me ask you this sir you are a head coach of an NFL football team you have both Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott on your football team for some abstract reason. Now, Le'Veon Bell takes a season off, holds out, uh, and goes down to Miami and spends his offseason jet skiing, uh, making rap albums, and spending his nights in the club. Ezekiel Elliott goes to Cabo St. Lucas. Uh, which one are you more concerned with is going to come back with some type of overweight issue, not in shape, uh, tears his knee up the first day? Which one more concerns you, Cabo or Miami? That's what it boils down to. <laughs> Well, based on based on both these guys' history, I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a wash almost. I mean, Le'Veon's actually been suspended, a, you know, a time or two, and he's but he hasn't really struggled much with injuries. Um, 
and Ezekiel Elliott hasn't either, despite his workload. So I, I don't know. That's tough, man, because they've both been in trouble with the law. And but but Le'Veon's, as far as I can recall off the top of my head, has never had anything to do with possibly or even being alleged of hitting a woman. It's always been just smoking weed. So I would say I'd be more confident in Le'Veon Bell ironically, based on what we know about him and what he's gone out and done, I would say I'd be more confident in him. Yeah, I mean, Ezekiel Ellis, he had the notorious, you know, issue there in college at Ohio State. And then, you know, his first year with Dallas, I believe he pulled the woman's brassiere down uh, at a St. Patty's yep. Day parade as well. So yep. uh, it's been kind of one thing after another for Ezekiel Ellis. Definitely hasn't had much of a quiet offseason since his uh, entrance into the NFL. So I'm pretty much in agreement with you there. You know, you smoke a little weed, you, you might eat too many, you know, Taco Bell quesadillas or something. Uh, you, you're pulling <laughs> women's brassiers down and being accused of potential domestic violence. That's a major, major accusation and issue right there uh, and potential issue. So I would definitely err on the uh, safer side there which would be Le'Veon Bell, which I don't think those words have ever been uttered yeah. on a podcast format where people are giving hot takes and opinions. But, Sarah, send the folks out. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. We'd love it and really appreciate it. It helps us out if you share the podcast with the people you know, the people who love football. And obviously they, these episodes won't be all division um, division specials every week from here on out as we get into the season. We're going to be talking all things football on every episode. So feel free, share the episodes, like everything that we're doing wherever you're listening, subscribe, rate, review, do all that. Give us feedback. We want to get better and we want to constantly be bringing you all of the football takes that you deserve and perspective that you need. So uh, give Brooks and I a follow on Twitter as well. You can find us just by searching our names and uh, it'll it's it's going to be a fun ride. So let's join it together and have some fun. Yeah, the good news is the good Lord hasn't made too many Sarah Bettingers, uh, S-A-Y-R-E, B-E-D-I-N-G-E-R, and they haven't made too Money. many Brooks Austins in this world. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of Austin Brookses, there's a lot of Brookses and Duns and, and a lot of whatnots. But not too many Brooks Austins in this world. So, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. We appreciate you guys. And we'll see you next episode, which will be available Friday afternoon. Uh, Sarah's got to cover the Broncos game that we mentioned earlier there on Thursday night. So we're going to try to squeeze an episode in for you sometime Friday. We appreciate you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.